Welcome to the 141st episode of the Young Turfs Podcast from the Viner 48 Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And later on in the podcast today, we are very pleased to welcome in Trey Smith, the three-star defensive line commit to our Maryland Terrapins. He's already signed in the early signing period. He gives his takes on his whole recruitment and the Crab Bowl from last weekend. Yeah, uh, super excited to have him on. Always great to have recruits on and uh, even better to have Maryland kids on. Yes, it is. We also will be talking about the Terps lost to Seton Hall just a little bit and today's win over Bryant. But before we get into all that, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to start things off the non-rev report today, uh, wrestling continues its slide with a 27-10 loss against number 10 Pitt. The team will compete next in the FM Open on January 4th, and they are now 1-4. Not the start wrestling was hoping for, to be sure. No, not the start that Alex Clemson wanted to his tenure at Maryland, but a guy that's been part of some turnarounds and done some good things, so he still has my confidence. Well, it's only his first season. On the, the women's basketball side, the number 12 Lady Terps took down number 23 Michigan, 70-55 to at Xfinity Center in front of a crowd of about 6,000 people. Kayla Charles led the charge with 23 points and 11 boards. Three other Terps cracked double figures with 10 in the victory. This is a big win. There's only three ranked teams in um, the Big Ten right now, including the Terps. So taking down another one's a huge step in claiming regular season dominance already. Uh, the team next takes on Northwestern, who received votes in the AP poll, so expect a good challenge on the road Tuesday. Yeah, this team needs these wins. They did not do what they were supposed to do in the non-conference, so now it comes down to them getting, a lot like the men's side, getting these ranked wins together and, and putting together a tournament resume that can get a 3 seed or above, because I believe that was their expectation going into this year. Uh, let's talk some baseball. Maryland baseball signed the 7th ranked recruiting class in the country, the highest rated class in team history. A really stellar job by Coach Vaughn and, and his staff. Absolutely spectacular. Um, one of the quotes uh, that Maryland Twitter put, or Maryland Baseball Twitter, excuse me, put out, said that this is the type of class that can change a program's trajectory, and it's true. I mean, the talent they bring in here, it's just, you haven't seen it in College Park before in baseball, so if this works out, uh, I don't even know, I'll be stunned on the turnaround here. Some quick hitters here before we get to uh, pro turps. Bruno Fernando made his first NBA start on December 19th against the Utah Jazz, a promising step in what was a second-round selections NBA career. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's already outperforming his draft slot, as many Trump fans expected he would. Maryland Football Strength and Conditioning Associate Director of Strength and Conditioning, Matthew Fly, moves on to Louisville. He'll be the uh, Director of Strength and Conditioning there. Uh, Mason Baguette, a guy who will be promoted to uh, replace his slot on that staff. Coach Sly, one of my favorite guys, I tweeted out about him. He brings the energy, brought what it means, or what Coach Loxley and Coach Davis, Ryan Davis, the strength and conditioning coordinator at Maryland, are trying to make it what it means to be a Terp. Uh, Coach Fly, a guy who brought energy on the sideline, he was the guy, really jacked dude, big red beard. You see him on the sideline, a lot of TV pictures, uh, slapping guys on the back and then, and really just bringing energy to the sideline. But 
a guy that I really enjoyed watching interact with the players and I felt was really good for the program and a big step up for him as he moves on to UNLV as they try and restart that football program. Yeah, uh, Mason Baguette has some experience at ECU and uh, Illinois, so definitely a worthy candidate to replace him. But yeah, Coach Fly, I wish him all the best. And uh, more coaching changes as we go here. Inside linebacking coach and special teams coordinator John Papuchas has left the program for Florida State. No word in his replacement yet. Um, it's hard to say because I heard some people wanting to get rid of him, period, as in fire him. And uh, to see, I think there's a move up for him, so... Uh, uh, a little bit unexpected, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't do not know. Um, well, what is his position at Florida State? I believe special teams coordinator. You see, that's ridiculous, Jimmy. Maryland's special teams were awful. They could not block. The reason why they never kicked field goals is because they were afraid they were going to get blocked. You know, they had multiple extra points blocked this year. It looks like the kicker, uh, Petrino, took a step backwards. Uh, the punting game was not great. It took some two guys, two freshmen that were questionable at best. And made a very decent punt coverage team out of them. They were bad at defending kickoffs. I don't get how this guy, other than his recruiting connections to Maryland, which didn't do great things for the Terps this past season, uh, got him to Florida State. But is Florida State really a step up from the Terps? Uh, at this point, who knows? I mean, they've taken now Walt Bell, who Maryland was questionable about, and John Papuchas, the guy who Maryland was questionable about, and put them both in the same positions at Florida State. And maybe they just like getting guys from Maryland that can recruit. Because Walt Bell was a great recruiter. I mean, he did great things at UMass. Uh, him and uh, Raheem, the guy that used to be on the staff from Maryland, they did a great job at UMass this, this last offseason. Yeah, they did. And I, I would have to see his recruiting connections because you're right. I don't know how you don't frame Florida State as a move up. I mean, there's definitely the argument performance-wise they're not move up. But, I mean, 85,000-seat stadium. They're, they had a horrible attendance year, and they still were sold out in Maryland Stadium every game. So, if you want to look at it like that, they probably move. Well, up. that's number attendance, not real attendance. I'll just throw that one out there because yeah. that's definitely true. All right, fine. I don't know. It's it's bizarre to me too, but uh, for now, I think we should focus on his replacement and uh, getting the right guy in here to help us uh, be able to kick field goals again. Let's just put it like that. Well, Maryland, you know, they were great on special teams under DJ Durkin. Yep. No doubt about it. They were. I'm they not... blocked field goals left and right. They um, I didn't mean to cut you off there. They they, they made plays on special teams, and that kept them in some games. I remember the game that I went to at Nebraska. They were in the game because they blocked two field goals. Yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not going to dispute that. But we need to get that back because it just we were not good special teams this year. I'll just put it like that. I don't really understand this. I'm going to have to assume much recruiting, and that's all I'm going to say here. I don't think so. I think it's a personnel issue. You know, um, if you talk about this, and I don't know if it's the coordinator or the coach, Mike Loxley never tried to block a punt. Not once. You know, he wasn't stacking guys on the line like Durkin did and say, this is where we're going to make big plays. If you remember the game, and I'll point out, I guess, one of the more memorable ones. You know, the game in Austin, Texas. Maryland blocks a field goal and changes the game. You know, Antoine Brooks picks it up, runs it in for a touchdown. Um, just talking about that, you know, special teams was such a big deal in wins for the Terps. But, you know, every coach has a different philosophy. And these guys obviously had a different, more lightly... Uh, tune philosophy towards special teams. The other thing that Durkin did, and this came from Urban Meyer, who um, DJ did coach with, is he played the starters on special teams. He had lineups l like Urban does, where he thinks that special teams are important enough to put his starters out there on the field. You saw it last night in the college football playoff with Chris Olave. You might remember him from the last play where he 
thought Fields was scrambling, ran the wrong way, it was an interception. He's our starting receiver, and he's our best special teams player. That was kind of the mindset that the Durkin staff had. Loxley kind of came in with the old-fashioned, in my opinion, or more used theory where the backups play special teams, so they're fresh. But, yeah, there, there will be hopefully a philosophy change on special teams that will make improvements. All right, well, that covers our rundown. We still have Pro Terps, though, and a uh, very quiet week for the uh, Maryland Pro Terps. We'll start off with Gakin Gakwe of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Played 88% of the snaps with only one pass defended as his only stat. Um, maybe not the year that you wanted him to have, especially going into free agency with such a holdout um, before the season, but the Jaguars have recently... Uh, kind of had the layers of the onion peeled back, and you see how these cracks in the foundation for the team have formed with Tom Coughlin's uh, rather outdated management style. So I'm very curious to see if the new direction for the Jaguars brings Yannick back. That is a no-confidence situation. Uh, Sheed Khan, the uh, owner of the Jaguars, kind of thrown out as maybe a new era Danny Snyder, possibly. You know, the people of Jacksonville are not too pleased with the ownership and the management of that franchise, just as many fans that are listening to this podcast can relate to. Uh, DJ Moore only played nine snaps, caught one ball for one yard in what was a absolute teardown loss for the Panthers. Yeah, the Panthers, um, so just to be clear, this is week 16 that we're doing here. Um, yeah, but the Panthers have just, one of the most amazingly bad collapses I've seen a team have that looked like it was a playoff contention for a little bit. Uh, DJ Moore, though, had a, a fantastic season when it's all said and done. Yeah, Darnell Savage played 100% of snaps in the Packers' win over the Vikings. That, that is the game that we're covering here, right? Correct? Yeah. Uh, made only one tackle. Had some nice plays in the parts of the game that I saw. Stephon Diggs, another guy that participated in that game, caught three passes for 57 yards and a touchdown. Also got in an argument with Kirk Cousins on the sideline. Yeah, and uh, Play Mason, I was pointing out when people talk about Kirk Cousins, uh, Kirk threw an interception into double coverage, and Stephon Diggs was very, was unhappy he threw that ball. I mean, how can you be? The other thing is with Kirk, and especially on this play, I mean, you can go back and watch it if you want. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. It's his eyes never move. He almost plays like, if you look at what Josh Jackson did, especially against Penn State that caused that downfall. The lock-on ability that Kirk Cousins has is like the same thing that Josh Jackson has. And he does it a lot with Diggs. I only really see it with Diggs. He doesn't really do it with Thielen. But with Diggs, he locks on a lot. And it really point. And Darnell Savage is actually the other guy that was involved in that play uh, that made it happen. Um, pushing along, uh, Quentin Jefferson played um, about 50% of the snaps for the Seahawks' loss to the Cardinals. Uh, didn't record any stats that I'm aware of, at least not on Pro Football Reference. I'm going to assume that's accurate. Uh, Drain Carter, though, made his fifth career start and recorded two tackles and one QB hit, played 100% of the snaps. Maybe only because of the uh, Panthers' season's going down, but always great to see him get some uh, run time on the defense as a starter. And uh, pushing along to Ty Johnson, who played 24% of the offensive snaps and earned three carries for 20 yards, no receptions. Uh, I, I don't know what to think about Ty Johnson this season. He probably underperformed a little bit to what we expected from him, especially since he got to start quite a few games. But hopefully uh, he sticks on the roster and can uh, change uh, course for the rest of his career. And now to another Terps running back, or I guess he's kind of a linebacker in the NFL too, uh, Trey Edmonds of the Steelers, 21 special team snaps. This guy is going to be on the roster for a long time, Jordan. Always room for special team aces. 
Uh, Josh Woods, another guy that still only plays on special teams. He played in seven straight games now, so what a career. I mean, what work ethic that Josh Woods shows. I mean, he made it to an NFL roster despite... Uh, well, he got I, benched to Maryland. Yeah, I was gonna say he got thrown. I was gonna say thrown to the bus in Maryland, but benched to Maryland. Yeah, and uh, he made it. He's on a roster. He's played more than half the games this season. I mean, hats off to him. Well, he's played half of the games this season because he didn't play today. That's eight. Oh, well, seven straight games, but he also played two in the beginning of the season. All right. Well, then, yeah, he really made it. Uh, your DNPs, Byron Cowart. Uh, I think Vernon Davis at this point's a DNP. I do not think he is still concussed, but who knows. And then your two IR, Sean Davis and uh, Darius Kilgo. And our Terp of the Week this week would be J.C. Jackson for the second straight week. Uh, continuing to impress in his fifth straight start. This time records six solo tackles with two passes defended, 96% of the snaps. Just, he has achieved everything that Maryland fans could have possibly hoped for him to achieve this season. Yeah, I mean, you heard it from Keith Cavanaugh, Dave LaMonica when he first got to Maryland. He had pro potential. You know, it didn't all show at Maryland. He was exposed a lot due to lack of pass rush, but, you know, he made big plays. Made that interception against Minnesota. He, he won Maryland some games. I mean, you can you can tell. If you didn't think Maryland's secondary was good last year, I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, this 3-9 and nine season. I'm talking about the season before and the one before that. And then you look at this year, you can see there's an obvious step down once J.C. Jackson, uh, Rayshad Lewis decided they want to play receiver. Marcus Lewis became the number one guy. You can see why there was value in J.C. Jackson, Darnell Savage. I mean, these guys that Maryland fans ripped, you just see their importance now. Well, I think they're up some football for today, but don't worry, we got plenty of basketball here to go. Well, we got some more football coming up later when Trey Smith joins us. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, for now... We can finally dive in to Maryland's extremely disappointing 52 to 48 loss at Seton Hall. Um, maybe, well, like you, you, I don't know how you could rank these, but like if you look at the top 10 losses of Trojan's career, this one's going to be up there in terms of ones that just stroke the fan base's rage. Yeah, definitely not number one, but it's up there. Uh, I'm not going to say it's number one. That still goes to the game that they lost to Boston University to me at the beginning of his career, but and that was not a good team either. That would be like if they lost to Bryant today. Um, they lost this game. Fair and square. They just didn't show up. You waited, and you waited, and they got a chance, and then you're like, oh, they're definitely going to lose now. And they got another chance, and then you're like, okay, now we're going to win. And then they got another one, and then eventually Seton Hall made their free throws and gave us over. I don't know... How many times I was like, this game's over, I'm turning it off, I'm walking away, and then you see they make one more play, and you're like, ah, now they're kind of in it, now I have to watch it, and then, you know, I'm at the point, and I said this about the football team, I am the kind of Maryland fan that will watch them if they're bad, but when they play effortless, and they look like they have nothing in it, it is impossible for me to sit there and watch. I just can't do it. I like Maryland so much that it hurts me to watch teams that don't have effort. And that's what this looked like. They had a play. An inbounds pass. With the game on the line. There's two things that you do on an inbounds pass. And I was talking to Bruce about this. And Bruce loves to bring up the basics of basketball that he taught when he taught, I believe it was his, when he coached his daughter's basketball team. He did it for a while, too. So he does have basics of basketball coaching experience. 
you either put the tallest player in to inbound the ball or the point guard. You do not put your forwards in the game to throw the inbounds pass. It's just not what you do. It's what they did there. They gave the ball to Morcel, who was not having a good game to start with, and he throws the ball away. Just bad coaching. Bad game management. It's not even coaching. It's it's like he could be an NBA coach and just manage the game well, put the right players in the right spots. You're talking about a team that had their two best players hurt. They were terrible. They lost to Rutgers by, what was it? Like 28 points or something like that. And they lost to the teams that are supposed to be on our level, like Oregon. I believe they lost to Michigan or Gonzaga or one of those two. It's just not what you wanted to see. I said it in the last podcast before this, and this will be my final point on this game. You needed someone to stand up and say, that's not how Maryland basketball works, and it looks like no one did it. Done. Garbage. I can't top all that, but I will say some uh, footnotes to this game. The one thing that really struck me here... Besides the fact that Seton Hall was missing Miles Powell, who again may be the best college basketball player in the country, and their second best player, was Maryland had 18 turnovers. I mean, for someone who, I mean, there's two things I really like. There's stats and there's basketball. And when they go together, it works for me. When you have 18 turnovers, 18 turnovers, you can't expect to win anything. And what they have? They give up 15, they seen Hall block 15 shots in this game? Yeah, it was ridiculous. They're not better than you. They're not more talented than you. At least you got rebounded them. That's your like, only saving grace. But, I mean, again, 5 for one from 3. Anthony Cowan missed seven three pointers And I can't even blame him because it came to the point in the game, again, where he's just like, I don't know what to do. I have to just start taking shots because no one else is making shots. So what am I supposed to do now? I'm the leader of the team. How do you keep... I'm going to say something I regret soon. But how do you have this much talent on your team and have 18 turnovers and score 48 points to a team that is just so damaged as Seton Hall was? It's it's insufferable to watch. And that will do it for that uh, game. We beat Bryant today, though. Yeah, they beat Bryant. I mean, and it wasn't good. It did not look pretty. Troll was... Uh, you know, I don't know what to say about him. He was good. I'll, I'll give him that. It looked good. It did not look like somebody that had not played competitive basketball for two years. But what do people really expect? And this is an honest question. I'm not ripping on the kid. I think he did a great job. I think Turgeon put him in the right spot. I'll say that right now. It was not meant for him to go in the Seton Hall game. What do you expect a guy... That's seven foot two, a legitimate seven foot two human being that's played basketball before at a fairly high level. What do you expect him to do? Dunk the ball, get rebounds, and dunk them. That's what he did. And block some shots. He got a block. You know, I, I like what he did out there. I think it was good. I think it's a good start for him. But it's not like we found LeBron. We found a piece of a championship team. I'm still going to call them a championship team because that is what I still believe their goal should be, whether they've proven that or not. Look at the talent on the roster. You're thinking championship. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. I'm not going to dispute that. So that that's what I'm going to I'm going to compare them to that the whole season. We just had this conversation. Well, a six seeds, a top 25 team, or whatever you guys were saying in the car the other day. This team is supposed to win the championship. 
They are supposed to be in the Final Four. They are a top-tier basketball team. They're not no sixth seed. They're not a seventh seed. They're not a ten seed. They are supposed to be, and I hope that the people that run this thing acknowledge that. They don't say, okay, we made it again. Oh, we Bill O'Brien our way to 9-7 and seven in a home playoff game. No. We're supposed to be one of the teams in college basketball in a fairly open year where we go out there and we win. But now suddenly everyone's like, ah, well, they're going to go whatever and make the tournament. That's good enough. No. No, it's not good enough. I'm tired of it. They beat Bryant 84-70. Cowan played like Cowan can because the other guys decided to wake up. And you know what? For the first 10 minutes, they were garbage. They didn't value the basketball. They had bad turnovers. Uh, Turgeon did, they actually directly talked about that, some of those plays. Bryant is a havoc defense. They want to get after you early. They want to jump out to a lead. They want to steal the ball. You can see it out of their coach who was quite aggressive, and I didn't really like him that much, I would say. They're an aggressive basketball team. And you know what? If you look at Maryland, and you look at an aggressive basketball team, and you look at the first 10 minutes of the game at home at 12 o'clock on a Sunday, you're going to say that's not going to go very well for us, and it didn't. But past that, they, they played the game they should. Look, and uh, to get more specific in this one, they did good things. Again, they turned the ball over 16 times, and I'm going to rip my hair out if I keep watching them turn the ball over this much. I, uh, I'm going I'm to ask you a question as uh, Mr. Coachman here, Mason. What do you say to a team that doesn't value the basketball like this? Run. Why? I actually don't know what you mean by that. Can you elaborate on that? Run. Like you know, you want to turn the ball over, we can run all practice. But till you learn how to value the basketball, we're not going to play basketball. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Like, I might sound like an 80-year-old man right there, but it works. That's why people do it through all of time. You know, Turgeon supposedly has had practices like that. But they need to settle down to the game. You really want to get my deep coaching analysis of this is these, the guys that are running this, especially Mark Turgeon himself, do not exactly know what they're doing or how to connect and get points across to their players very well because they obviously, he complains about them not running plays very often. So that might be your actual problem. But when you address this, it has to be like, all right, you have to do what a football coach does. We get the ball the first time, here's the play that we're running. If it works, here's the second play that we're running. If that does not work, here are two other options. And for the first, I'm going to say, till we have 15 points on the board and get a rhythm going, we're running plays. We're running our sets. We're not running free. We're not trying to break out in transition. We will, even though if it does not, if it's shown to not benefit us this season, we will stay in this game by slowing the pace, getting good looks, and not standing still when we have the ball in offense. We're going to move the ball. We're going to get simple passes together. We're going to try and get a rhythm going. And then from then on, we can play this street ball kind of style they like playing. It might work that way, or it might not. Or maybe they talk about this all practice, or they watch the film, and they're like, we're going to do this better, and then they don't do it when it comes to game time. There's obviously a lack of execution there, but... That's pretty much my whole thing. Lack of execution will result in average teams with extraordinary talent. Look at the guys they have in the NBA. I mean, Bruno Fernando is playing. He's starting in the NBA. We couldn't get him to be a first-round draft pick. Kevin Herter is considered a top-tier second-year player in the NBA. The team is concerned when he is injured. We couldn't do anything with it. It's just, it's ridiculous. And 
it, it's unfortunate, and there's a lot of wasted talent here, but, you know, maybe they can get it back going. You know, I think the Mitchells, you know, lots broken in that story in the past 24 hours. We're not really going to discuss it until more details come out. Uh, we'll talk about it briefly here for a minute. I, I think them being dismissed, given all of the information that I've known from their high school career to now, I never thought these guys belonged here. I never heard great things about them when they were coming here. I think them being dismissed might be a might be a good thing. Maybe not. But for this season, it's a, I think it's a good thing. You know, I'm not going to rag on the kids. I think they deserve another chance. I think that a lot of times when this happens to players, you see it with the last chance you kids, it's a wake-up call. But there's been a lot said about that in the past 24 hours. Jordan... Can, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna again withhold comment on this till we know more because there's just a lot of information flying around and we're not sure how much of it is true. Um, one thing I will say is we see this a lot in the NBA, especially with basketball teams. Mid-season roster changes can shock a team into doing better. That does happen. Or it can backfire. Or it can backfire, and that is equally possible here. And we're gonna see what happens. A lot of it's gonna depend on how Shaw Marielle develops. I think actually the whole season might depend on how Shaw Marielle develops. Because if you, like I said, I was saying this at the game, if you can get a lineup with him and Jalen Smith together on the floor working, your size will be almost impossible to defeat for most teams. You know, and the one thing that I will say about the Mitchell's mother's statement today, you can go out and read it. There's a ton of articles about it. It's on every Maryland fan board there is. Um, we're not going to pay too much mind to it on this episode. We have Trey Smith still to get to here. Um, is all she did is hurt their chances to find another good landing spot today. You do not, and I don't know, this is kind of the thing, and you see it a lot in, in life, and you see it a lot, especially I would say with like employees at a retail store. They cannot yell back at the customer. If you still want these kids to be successful, why did you tweet a bunch of bad things about the coach here? You don't think Mark Turgeon can pick up the phone and call, you know, whether he's a good basketball coach or not. These guys all know each other. I think that they did a lot of damage to themselves today, and that's where I'll leave that for this episode. There's going to be more information about it, more insider. You know, as always, stay tuned with Keith Cavanaugh and Dave Lamonaco on Terrapin Times, Scott Green uh, on Rivals. You know, all these guys are going to be breaking news about this as more information comes out. And follow them, follow Terp's Twitter, but we're not going to pay too much mind to it uh, at the moment until uh, more information, until more factual information breaks on it. Uh, Terps will move on to play Indiana. We will have a preview of that episode coming up in our next podcast later this week. And now let's get to Trey Smith. Trey is a 6'2", 285-pound defensive tackle from Mountain Ridge High School in Frostburg, Maryland. I met him last weekend at the Crab Bowl, and he is already signed on to uh, this Maryland football family. And Mike Loxley, now to Trey. Now we welcome in Trey Smith to the Young Terps podcast, our third Featured recruit here on the Young Turfs podcast. Trey, how are you doing tonight? Good, how are you, man? I'm cooling. So let's get right into it. You commit to Maryland, a guy from Western Maryland out there by Frostburg. What drew you to the Turfs? Um, just the the uh, brotherhood they have with the uh, team and the players, and um, just the bond that they keep with uh with each other on and off the field, and just how uh, welcoming they feel. Uh, I felt when I uh, first started talking to him. So, Troy, there's not many players that come out of Western Maryland, but one of the most notable ones in recent history is Ty Johnson. Was there anything special about another Western Maryland kid doing such great things in College Park? 
Repeat the question again. There haven't been many um, very notable Maryland players from Western Maryland, but yeah. I'd say probably the most notable one recently is Ty Johnson. Was there anything special about it, watching another Western Maryland kid do such good things as a Terp? Um, I mean, yeah, it's obviously. I, I feel like once Ty got recruited by Maryland, it uh, opened up the map and started, people started noticing what uh, Western Maryland has talent-wise. So, um, yeah. Now let's talk about uh, Coach Loxia a little bit. He brings his family atmosphere to Maryland. It didn't bring too many wins this past season, but definitely a bright future for you guys and the Terps. Can you talk about what that family culture uh, had going for you and brought you to Maryland? Um, well, I trust Coach Locks with my life because when I first started talking to him, when we had our home visit, that's all he would talk about. He said, He's not trying to build a football team. He's trying to build a family for 10 to 20 years. So um, I, I love the man. Um, I feel like this year we will turn that around, obviously, and be a contender for the Big Ten Championship. But, um, yeah, Coach Locke's a great man. Uh, trying to uh, build a family around him, camaraderie, and, uh, yeah, so, as a defensive lineman, Trey, you were primarily recruited by Delbert Cowsett. Do you think it adds anything to the recruitment that Delbert went to Maryland to and can really, like, add that genuine aspect of going to the school that he's coaching for? Yeah, uh, he's got tons of experience, so um, he, know, he obviously knows what he's talking about when he started recruiting me, telling me everything, what he did and stuff at Maryland, and then how he uh, continued his career in the NFL, so... Yeah, pretty much. You come in at a position that, I mean, if you watch the Terps and fans uh, that just see, you know, whether it's one game in the Big Ten or they watch literally every game, you see that defensive line is a position of need for Maryland. How do you feel like this new staff and the new culture that's being built around Maryland is going to get this team uh, ready to compete with in the Big Ten with Coach Loxley at the helm? Um, I feel like it's going to... The coach, the new coaching staff, I feel like it's going to turn around the whole program from what they were for the past few years, uh, especially this uh, recruiting class, honestly, because I don't know if you saw, but our recruiting class this year was in the top 30 in the nation. So um, I think it's going to turn around and uh, be uh, next two to three years, if not next year, will be a tough contender in the Big Ten conference-wise. And adding on to that, Trey, does it? Do you think there's extra appeal to being part of? Actually, I'm gonna change my question. Do you feel like you're really building something at Maryland? You're coming in kind of in the ground floor of this program. Obviously, things didn't go super well last year. Does it? Is it mean something extra to know that you can help actually build this program to being where it wants to be? Oh yeah, obviously. I didn't want to pick a school that's already on the top ten, top twenty-five. I want to be a part of a team that's that needs to help that will continue to grow and grow over the next two, three years. So um, I feel like this, this class, obviously I go back to the class, the 2020 class, but I just feel like it's just going to turn around the team, make them uh, better for who they are. And uh, yeah, it's just, I feel like it uh, will, will improve next year and years to come. How many of the 2020 class have you actually met in person so far? 
Um, I'd say I met I met a good bit at the official visit, but we have this group chat called Tur- Takeover, and um, once we find a new commit, we just add them to our group chat and we just talk to them, get to know them, make them feel welcomed with the team. So uh, obviously, we like to stay on top of things once we see that. And we just want to build relationships, get to know each other better. So when we get on campus, we don't rent like we're uh, not surprised. Like, oh, you're Trey Smith or whatever. So we like to get to know each other before. In his national signing day or early signing period, I should say, press conference the other day, Coach Loxley said recruiting is all about peer pressure. You just mentioned the Terp takeover. That seems to be the movement on Twitter, would you agree with that? What he said is recruiting all about peer pressure, and does do all these people that tweet at you and tweet at Ruben Hippolyte do they help you guys feel like you're part of the Maryland community? Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, I wouldn't say about the peer pressure part. I mean, obviously, it's gonna like they're trying to persuade you to be a part of their team, but um, I feel like it's just about what you think and what school you should choose. So I wouldn't really say it's peer pressure. Does it does it mean anything extra to you, Rube? Uh, sorry, does it mean anything extra to you, Trey? That um, you can play so close to home that your family can come see you, and you're gonna be on TV, and it's easy for your friends and family to just go down and watch a game. Yeah, it means everything. That's the one of the main reasons why I picked Maryland. It's two like two and a half hours away from him. It's easy to reach for my uh, family and friends. Plus, I have tons of family up here and in the DC area, so I should have that fan support at the uh, home games. So, um, family's a big key in our, in our, uh, in our lives. Let's talk about the Crab Bowl for a little bit. The, uh, great event that was put on last week by Tony Kennedy out there on the Eastern Shore. What did you think of the event? Kind of, you know, the All-Star Game and the Pro Bowls, all those things have been phased out, but I think it was a great event and a pretty solid game, especially from you guys on uh, Team Baltimore last weekend. Yeah, uh, it was a buttload of fun getting to know each other at practice this week um and then just going out and showing um Maryland that there's still some recruits out there that need picked up so uh I, I felt it was a great time um well coached well officiated team Washington started getting a little chippy at the end but uh that's just how football is yeah uh, I thought they, it was all in good fun though it was a really spirited game yeah. you don't get that a lot in an all-star game no no uh, you just when you get in all star games, you just think it's gonna be like goofy and fun and stuff, just like backyard football. But this was like competitive, and that's what that's what made it the fun part. I don't know about if you thought this was surprising, but there were some players in that game that I, for watching from the broadcast booth, I could not believe they didn't have a college offer or weren't committed to a major school. I mean, one of the running backs in the game, I believe it was the running back for Team Baltimore. Uh, Marlo Wax. It's just, it seems unbelievable to me that this talent just goes uh, unseen, but that weekend and the Crab Bowl and all the recruiters that were out there should should help some of those guys get picked up. Yeah, definitely. They could use it because they're amazing players on both teams, Team Washington and D.C. Uh, I mean, uh, Baltimore. There's amazing players out there that still have not got offers, but... Uh, they just need to keep their Twitter open, obviously, and just keep getting in contact with college coaches and sending them their film and stuff. So, so Trey, something that I kind of kept a running tally of is I like hearing what 
recruits think of the recruiting system because I've heard a lot of players, especially recently, knock the star ratings as kind of being inaccurate and almost made up. What's your opinion on it? On the star ratings? Yeah, and how important they become. <clears throat> um, I feel like star ratings, I mean, obviously getting stars is amazing, but I feel like that doesn't really show, I mean, it shows colleges like, oh, this guy's like top notch, but I don't think it's, re- I don't know how to say this, but um, it's not that important to me in my eyes because you can have, there's a bunch of people that don't have stars, but that are like really good athletes. So um, I don't think star ratings are like the greatest thing in the world. I feel like they're like a bias scale, but I'm not, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. Well, I think a recruitment like yours kind of shows that. A guy that not many Maryland fans have heard of. If You can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe when you committed to Maryland, since then you've earned, you went from a one to a three star. Is that right? Yeah. Or a two to a three? Two to a three, yeah. Yeah. You see, it's just like, there are great players. And I think the Crab Bowl last weekend showed this. There are definitely some other all-star games, like the Big 33, where guys that are just completely under the radar pop up, but... It's almost like a guy could go from not rated to a four-star just because they committed to a school or because they popped up at one camp. It's just a matter yeah. of, you know, the right people, I guess, seeing you play. Yeah, exactly. Jordan, do you have anything else for Trey? No, um, I don't think I do. Do you, Mason? Yeah, I have one question. It's usually one that you ask. Trey, uh, tell all the Young Turps fans uh, who your favorite music artist yeah. is. <laughs> My favorite music artist? Yeah. Um, I probably have to say Lil Durk. <clears throat> oh. I love Lil Durk. I actually really like him, too. I haven't heard that one yet, so it's a good one to hear. He was down in uh, D.C. the other day at the Bliss Nightclub, I think. Yeah, I saw that one, but uh, it was too close to Christmas for me. I couldn't make it out there. I really wanted to, yeah. though. Yeah, so uh, I would love to go see Durk. And Trey, where can all... Of the Maryland fans that are tuning into this, follow you on social media. Um, Instagram is Trey underscore Zilla 41. And Twitter is, no, Instagram is Zilla underscore 41. Twitter is Trey underscore Zilla 41. Actually, one more thing I wanted to ask you, because I remember I saw your um, tag and it was one of the more unique ones I've seen. Where did that one, where did Trey Zilla come from? Oh, um, all right, so... In seventh grade, my dad, uh, he, call, he used to call me that all the time because I used to dominate in, like, middle school because no one was, like, my size. So he'd just call me, like, Godzilla, and then he switched out the God for the Trey. So that's when Trayzilla became. Well, hopefully the name carries over because it's one of my favorite nicknames I've heard so far in this class. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Trey, and we'll look forward to seeing you making an impact out there in the next few years in College Park. All right, thank you. Make sure everyone goes follow my Instagram. Eat the followers. All right, All right. be sure of it. Thanks, Trey. All right. Thanks, man. And that was Trey Smith. We thank Trey for joining us on the podcast. Make sure to uh, hype up his Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, if he needs the followers, he needs the followers. Help a guy out. Um, one thing I always love hearing is when you you can tell when players really want to come to Maryland and be a part of the f- family Mark Loxley's trying to build. And uh, hearing, especially Maryland kids that want to be here, just always warms my heart. Yeah, it really does. And, and Trey's one of them. I look forward to uh, 
his much-needed help on the defensive line as the Terps try and build a true Big Ten defensive line. Yeah, and one thing I do want to touch on, this is something I learned a lot in my time in North Dakota, just get... I, I really do have an issue these days with the way the recruits are done because I, it's just all about having one guy from, like, scout or rivals see you. Or 247, you really can't... You can't forget them at all. Um, but it's just all about them just getting exposed, and it doesn't always make... For the best, uh, most accurate rankings, I'll say. No, it doesn't, but, you know, these sites don't have millions of dollars to spend on a recruit, recruiting scouts in North Dakota, Minnesota, Western Maryland, West Virginia. It, it's tough. It's a tough business, you know, and it's tough for these kids that are in spots as, you know, close to a major metropolitan area as Frostburg is and as far out as the middle of North Dakota or Minnesota. You know, this it's a tough Tough job, and that's why Ed O'Brien from 247 was out there at uh, the Crab Bowl last weekend, getting guys that are even in such a central place as, you know, the guy that I talked about, Marlo Wax. He plays for Mount St. Joe's in Baltimore. He looks great. I mean, the guy was making the right runs. He was falling forward. He isn't, I believe he's still not signed to a team or even has an offer. But, um, yeah, you know, he can play. Well, never mind, he's a Syracuse commit. Yeah, he, he signed a few days ago now. Um, so maybe he got it at that game. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He was one of the players uh, that was highlighted as a commit. My, my mistake. But the guy that was playing next to Trey Smith in the game, I'll throw another guy out there. His last name's Levy. Um, kid had like four sacks in the game. Doesn't have, he, I'm certain, does not have a offer. Or doesn't have a commit. He's in a commit yet after the early signing period. Well, we're getting off track here. It was great to talk to Trey. We thank him. Thank him so much for coming on our podcast. Uh, hope we can get some more Trump commits in the near future because we know you guys love hearing from them. And uh, anything else to say this episode, Mason? No, that's a wrap. We'll be back later this week with another Young Terps podcast. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates and Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Viner Four Gates is your place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one, Viner.com. And Allied Party Rentals, for all of your party rental needs, big or small, you can visit AlliedPartyRentals.com. Make sure to give us a follow at YoungTerp1 on Twitter for all of the newest updates about the Terps. And as always, thanks for listening.